Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here is your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to my 442nd ever show of all around sports. We're each Monday at noon Eastern time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. Well, my highlight of the week is Colin Morikawa winning the Open yesterday in Sandwich, England, literally in the shadow of the White Cliffs of Dover. This guy is money as he showed when he won the PGA last year at Harding Park in San Francisco, uh, when there were no fans there. And among his many notable achievements uh, that he accomplished by winning yesterday, the one that caught my eye was that he and Tiger now stand alone as the only players to win two majors before age 25. So, you know, when you're on a list with Tiger that only includes you and Tiger, uh, that's saying something, and you have to wonder, uh, is this guy the next Tiger? Um, basically, I've been so impressed with his career so far, and especially with what he did last year, winning the uh, the PGA out in uh, San Francisco, that watching yesterday... There was no doubt in my mind once he got the two-stroke lead uh, in the back nine that he was going to win the tournament, like zero. And so I think that's one of the, uh, you know, great talents that he conveys is he he just seems to be money. And, uh, you, you know, comparing him again to Tiger, what was Tiger's ultimate greatest strength was I think he went whatever, uh, (laughs) countless wins where when he had the lead, uh, once he got the lead, he didn't give it up. And uh, so Colin Morikawa, just hats off to him. He is just, uh, I think, showing himself to be a very special player. And uh, he's on another list with, you know, Bobby Jones, there was, uh, you, you know, a lot of hoopla surrounding the fact that he was, uh, you know, that it was only his, uh, you know, his first time playing Lynx golf, first time, obviously, at the Open last year when he won the PGA. It was his first time there. So, again, a lot of hoopla surrounding him uh, winning these majors the first time he was playing him. And I think uh, he was on a list with Bobby Jones and one other for that accomplishment. So, uh, 
very, very impressive. It was so interesting, as it always is, watching the Open. Uh, again, I thought one of the highlights it was sort of non-golf, which was the famed Spitfires uh, of the Royal Air Force, which they used and maybe the most famous airplane ever made. Uh, because that's what they used to defeat the Germans in the Battle of Britain, uh, was flying Spitfires, and they showed them a couple of World War II-era Spitfires flying over the course yesterday, again, right near the uh, White Cliffs of Dover, and uh, that's where it was actually being fought, uh, among many other places, by the RAF back at the, in World War II. So it was just... Uh, Really cool to see that, and uh, just really cool to have uh, the Open back. Let's not forget that. Uh, didn't get played last year like so many other things, and, uh, you know, so again, back to Morikawa for him, too, you know. It was one thing he won the Harding Park uh, PGA, but that was, again, before no fans, so you had to wonder uh, how is he going to do in a major with perhaps the most sophisticated fans in the game of golf. Uh, that would be the British. Um, and he obviously uh, did very well. So he is, again, uh, I'll go back to what I said earlier, he, he is money. Um, again, there was no doubt in my mind. Uh, when, he, when he got the two-stroke lead, it was over. And it was, and he, you know, between Louis Oosthuizen, uh, who gave up the lead. He went into Sunday with it, so Morikawa caught him and passed him. Um, Jordan Spieth, John Rahm was making a you know big push yesterday with a spectacular round. Uh, so he had a lot of uh, uh, big names trailing him once uh, Morikawa did once he got that lead. So again, it was just uh, wonderful, fabulous weather for the British Open. Um, or I guess I should call it the open. That's what they like to call it. Fabulous weather. I mean, it was almost strange to not see any rain. In fact, yesterday, I think they said it was 80 degrees. So wonderful views out over the English channel on a clear day. You could see France. Um, so it was just really great theater as it always is. Uh, nothing like getting up here in the East coast, uh, turning on your TV and you have live open major golf. Uh, it's a week I look forward to every year, and this one uh, didn't fail to be terrific again and a great way to start the day. Well, my low light of the week, sticking with the British Open, was, or the Open, as I should say, uh, was uh, Bryson DeChambeau committing what I consider the cardinal, cardinal sin of sports, you know, you know, blaming his driver for a bad round at the Open. I think that was... Friday, if I'm not mistaken, rather than himself. Uh, that doesn't go over well in any sport, period. Uh, you have a bad bad game, bad round, whatever you want to call it. You take the blame, you put it on yourself. And I was actually quite glad to see Cobra, uh, who makes the driver, the big golf company, among others, uh, strongly and immediately shot back against DeChambeau. They didn't baby him. They didn't like what he said. Nobody did. And they just shot back with, uh, you know, with their own statement saying uh, basically and truly, don't blame us. And uh, 
needless to say, DeChambeau issued an apology in a tweet, and uh, but it doesn't take away from uh, what he did. So very disappointing. Uh, he's a complicated character, is what I would say. Well, my bizarre story of the week is the turnaround in the NBA Finals with the Milwaukee Bucks now winning three straight after the Phoenix Suns won the first two at home. Uh, Saturday night was great theater, just great theater, Uh, just a fabulous game to watch. Obviously, the pivotal game five, especially when it's tied 2-2, and, uh, you know, the Suns come out looking otherworldly, running up a big lead in the first quarter, and you basically thought, well, it's what we expected. Suns come home, and they win it. Uh, that's been the pattern of this series. Obviously, all, all the home teams win. And uh, and then, incredibly, the Bucks just did the exact same to the, to the Suns in the second quarter and basically dominated it. And then it was close. The second half was, again, really, really great theater. And then, of course, the last minute or two was just what you want to see in an NBA game. Um, just incredible, uh, great plays, the Drew Holiday alley-oop to to Giannis, uh, in the last minute of the game is something that will be long remembered, uh, in NBA annals, no question about that. So again, uh, you know, I think it's been a really exciting NBA finals. I really do. I've enjoyed it immensely, and uh, and yeah, it's uh, it's going to be fun to watch. And we got another big week ahead here with you know Olympic action picking up. Um, Sox Yankees were very interesting uh, as they got going, uh, and the uh, Yankees, after not beating the Sox in their first six seven games this year. One Saturday and yesterday, last night, at Yankee Stadium. And they're coming to town, back to Fenway, this Thursday for a four-game series. I will be at the game on Thursday night. Can't wait. It's now turned into a very, very big game. And the Sox need to uh, kind of right themselves. Tour de France ended yesterday um, in Paris. Nothing like it that final day as all the riders come into Paris uh, and it all finishes on the Champs-Élysées at the Arc de Triomphe, which I had the pleasure to visit a few years back. And uh, on that very same visit, uh, they actually had held uh, the a segment of the Brit- uh, of the Tour de France in Britain. So I was literally in uh, London when the Tour de France uh, ran one of the segments. It was just an incredibly awesome event and something I will never forget. So I always like to tune into the Tour de France. Uh, another low light to the week, by the way, was what went on at the Nationals game with the shooting outside the gates and more importantly, the panic inside the stadium since nobody at the game knew exactly what was going on. So it was just surreal scenes all over the place. And, uh, Luckily, it all got sorted out. Great job by the Metro Police and the national staff and uh, everybody else involved to keep the crowd, uh, number one, safe and just 
uh, made for basically an orderly exit in what could have been uh, even a worse scene uh, than it already was. So now, let's take our break, and next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance at success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. A brave heart is anyone with the courage to be of service to others. If you have that courage, then Brave Hearts Radio with Brian Reinbold is for you. Even if you aren't yet, you'll want to still tune in to get inspired, create your own story to share, and change your life for the better. Listen to the stories of service and courage shared by amazing guests and your input too. Listen for Brave Hearts Radio, Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, doing good anywhere does good everywhere. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports, and I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well, joins us. And A.P., how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing very well, John. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, thank you, as always, for joining us. And AP, it may be summer, but football is always in the air, especially down in the state of Alabama. And I think for you, you're not exactly uh, having the lazy days of summer because I know you're working on a really big, big project. 
Yes, John. Yeah, football is upon us here, but I've been working on this film project, John, The Wishbone Boys, which is a celebration of Alabama football from 71 to 82, and that was the offense they'd employed for 12 years. The Wishbone Formation is a triple option, and Coach Brian made a bold and courageous decision three weeks before they were to uh, entertain the uh, Southern California Mighty Trojans out in Los Angeles at Memorial Coliseum on a Friday night to open the season. He came into the room and said, uh, boys, we're going to sink or swim with the wishbone offense. And and so they had to implement that. And imagine that, John, it's such a rich, risky offense. You have to make all those uh, reads by first oh, yes. handing it off to the fullback possibly and pulling it out. Incredible. And you have to go down the line and see if the quarterback might run. If not, he's got to pitch it to the halfback, and that's got to be precise. And and so they went out to Southern California and defeated the Trojans, upset them 17-10, to 10, and they took a 17-zip a lead, and it was 17-10 to 10 at halftime and held on. And matter of fact, Lynn Swan almost had a punt return to David Bailey, the wide receiver, just caught him by the ankles, and he, he stopped him from tying the game, and Alabama prevailed 17-10, to 10, and they had a great ride back to uh, – Birmingham or Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and there was a big celebration at the university in the middle of the night. They were in the the uh, the fountain in front of the president's mansion, and so it was it was quite a victory. And they went out to have a hundred victories in that decade, the first time in college football. And then Coach Bryant had, had three national championships prior to 1971, and they had three more during that era. And that's six, and we haven't talked about six until Nick Saban. So I've been working on this project for seven years. We're going to premiere. Wow. At the historic Bama Theater, August 28th, 7 p.m., uh, tickets available on our website, wishboneboys.com. And also, we have two hotels that are headquarters, the Homewood Suites by Hilton in Tuscaloosa and the Home Two Suites by Hilton in Tuscaloosa. You can get a discounted price. So we have the tickets on sale. And, uh, John, this is 12 years of Alabama football players and other celebrities will be there. But it, it's a once-in-a-lifetime event because you won't get 12 years of football players together again. It just won't happen. So I right. think it's a, a golden opportunity for people who love college football, love Alabama football. Um, Coach Gene Stallings is flying in from Texas. We have the president of the Maxwell Club coming in from Philadelphia. We have... Um, all the, the stars from that era, Ozzie Newsom, Dwight Stevenson, John Hanna, uh, Richard Todd, the Rutledge brothers, Stedman Shilley, Walter Lewis, Terry Davis were the quarterbacks. Touchdown, Tony Nathan, Major Ogilvy, Wilbur Jackson, the great legend, the first Italian stallion, Johnny Musso. All those people are in the film. And then also Sam Cunningham of USC, the great Trojan fullback. He's in our film. And Celia Ward, people are familiar with her as an actress, but she was in Alabama. Sure cheerleader and homecoming queen. She's in our film. Uh, you know, Mark Tyson, the grandson of Coach Bryant, is in the film. You know, that's his son, Paul Tyson. Uh, the great-grandson of Coach Bryant is, the uh, at the moment, the second-string quarterback for the University of Alabama right now. So it's going to be an unbelievable celebration, and we'd like for people to uh, to come to the website, wishboneboys.com, and click on there for tickets on the events tab. And They'll have a great time if they show up that evening in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, August 28th at the Historic Family Theater. August 28th. I love it. Uh, and it's interesting you would miss it, mention the Italian stallion, Johnny Musso, because as you were talking about the change they made with three weeks to go, I literally, before you mentioned Johnny Musso, I was thinking of the Rocky II where he goes 
from being a right-handed boxer to a left-handed boxer or, or vice versa, <laughs> whatever. We all remember Burgess Meredith making the change, and that was the key to the early Rocky movies. And uh, it, it seems like it's almost the football equivalent of that. Like shocking his, sure does, you know, yeah. shocking the opponent when you when the game starts or the boxing match, so to speak. Right. Oh yeah, and uh, it's a funny story that John McKay he had some choice words when Alabama came out in that wishbone offense. He yelling to his good friend across the field, Coach Pride. They were great buddies, of course. And, right. Uh, that ended up being his 200th victory, John, and um, the day before his 58th birthday for Coach Bryant. And he went on to win 323 uh, when he retired. And after the 1982 season, he ran that offense for the last 12 years of his career. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, and you know, I just when you talked about the timing and whatnot, uh, you know, can't help but be reminded of you know Texas and our royal teams and that. You know, James Street was the quarterback and, you know, the timing involved oh, yes. running backs of Jim Bertelson and Steve Worcester. Uh, you know, you just don't forget this stuff. I mean, it was, you know, I was a kid, but I, we we're all fascinated right. by it. And uh, and I think the, the biggest testament here is that Coach Bryant was willing to, you know, overhaul the offense like he wasn't living in the past or anything like that you know i think flexibility in a coach is paramount and he showed uh, even after he'd been there a number of years that he had exactly that yeah that's a testament to his greatness john there's you know, some very good coaches in college football during that era and probably like 15 or 20 that were in the hall of fame that he was trying to reach these championships and I think oh, yeah. I brought this point out before in our discussions that he had quite the challenge from all these other coaches and teams. I mean, you feared these teams when you played them. It wasn't like they're just on the schedule and they they were pretty good. They were exceptional, and he ended up winning the six during that era. I mean, you'd have back-to-back legends at Nebraska, for instance. Right. Bob Devaney and Tom Osborne. You have oh, my gosh, yes. A Bud Wilkins. Yeah, Bud Wilkinson, and there's a, a, a coach or two in between. Then he had Barry Switzer, okay, guys who won national championships. Uh, Daryl Royal and Frank Broyles and Joe Paterno, Eric Parsegian. You had back-to-back Hall of Fame coaches at USC, uh, John McKay, John Robinson. Uh, so this this was very a difficult time to win championships. And like you said, he had three in the, uh, in the 60s and ended up with three in the 70s. And so that's why I consider Coach Bryant a great coach. You know, he's like Tom Landry, new offense, new defense, or, or changed and came up with an offense or defense. I think that puts him in a different tier, different stratosphere. And like I said, we're talking about the six now because Nick Saban caught him 40 years later. Right. It's suddenly, you know, back on the table. Again, no different than, he, yeah. you know, just so many other things we've seen in the past. It's... uh it's kind of like Shohei Otani, uh, and the season he's having, both pitching and hitting home runs, has resurrected the name of Babe Ruth and made it as relevant <laughs> as it's been in decades. You know, it's a very similar type of thing, you know. And Nick Saban's success is now creating more Bear Bryant conversation, to say the least. And, uh, yeah, I just think it's uh, it just sounds terrific. And, uh 
by the way, you were running through a list of coaches, and the Oklahoma coach preceding Barry Switzer was none other than Chuck Fairbanks, a legend in and of himself. And I believe he made yes. his way up to Foxborough and coached the Patriots for a time. He sh- he sure did, yeah. And he had some success at Oklahoma. Matter of fact, John, you bring bit. up his name. <laughs> um, yeah, you bring up his name. That was the last game that Alabama played in the Astro Blue Bonnet Bowl with Chuck Fairbanks, with Barry Switzer as the offensive coordinator, and they had Greg Pruitt and uh, Jack Mildred and Joe Wiley, among others, and they tied in that game. Alabama missed the game-winning field goal. Um, and um, But on the way back on the plane, Coach Bryant was fiddling on a sheet of paper with the wishbone. You're kidding. But he didn't make the decision until until three weeks before the season. They had their regular spring practice with the two back set, you know, primarily, you know, some passing, running in combination. But it wasn't until Darrell Royal came to Tuscaloosa for the coaching clinic, and then the coaches had to learn that and uh, go through all the motions. And, I mean, three, in three weeks, I mean, to put in an entire offense. They didn't have a lot of plays. They didn't even have a playbook. For a long right. time with the wishbone, they just kind of just learned it, and uh, they didn't even write it, things down really too much. And they ran that offense and just revitalized the program, uh, re, you know, revitalized Coach Bryant's career, and changed the fortunes for the entire university by, uh, you know, having a tremendous victory out in California on a Friday night. AP, it's an incredible story. Again, you, you know. Going to the wristbone was basically a new way of playing football, period. I mean, you know, because when we first saw it, it was like we hadn't seen it before, and uh, except at Texas, obviously, and, and, you know, just incredible story. I love it. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's great. And, of course, you know, can't help but mention that it was Chuck Fairbanks versus Bob Devaney and the true the true game of the century, which was 1971, uh, right? Oklahoma at Nebraska. Yeah. Just you know, I remember it like it was yesterday. And if I'm, and it was Thanksgiving Day, literally held on Thanksgiving Day, and a lot of dinners got moved up to an earlier time that day. That's for darn sure. <laughs> yeah, that was that was <laughs> no quite doubt. a day to watch that game. Yeah, and and believe it or not, Sean. Nebraska ended up winning the game, a close one, 35-31. Yep. Uh, that, was, that was on the road, I believe, at Oklahoma. And um, Nebraska played Alabama in the Orange Bowl, and Auburn played Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl. Yes, and the difference in and, the – go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, no, I was going to say that Nebraska had a, had a big night. Alabama fumbled the ball quite a bit, and Nebraska beat them, I think, 38-8. to eight, And – and Oklahoma had a lot of points against Auburn, too, in the Sugar Bowl. But th- those were four very good teams during the oh year gosh, 1971. Yes. Uh, yeah, Pat Sullivan was the Heisman Trophy winner that year. Johnny Musso came in fourth. And I think Greg Pruitt, um, uh, you know, it had, uh, Ed Marinero was, I think, second, I think it was. Right. And Greg Pruitt Correct had to be up there, too, probably. And Ed Marinero yeah, became a famous yeah. actor on Hill Street Blues, I believe. And, uh, yes. On and on, but the, the the difference in the famous '71 game between Nebraska and Oklahoma—they were basically even all day long. But the difference was yes. the punt return by Johnny Rogers. That's what won them that game. Yes. Because other than that, they were head to head and just even all day long in every other area. 
Yes, yes. Matter of fact, in that game, I believe Jack Milton threw two or three touchdown passes, believe it or not, to his high school yes. teammate, John Harrison, number 12. I think that was the case, something like that. He was amazing in that game. I, I remember it all so well. You know, I think that score, 35-31, I mean, I, I've remembered that my entire yeah. life, and I think many others have <laughs> as well. Uh, that's how big yes. it was. Uh, again, yes, yes. Uh, the game of the century has gotten overused, um, and you know, I'm not complaining. It's almost like a testament to that game uh, because yes. no one would argue, uh, at least in our lifetime, maybe going back to Army Notre Dame in the 1940s or whatever, whenever it was, uh, you know, right. people might argue that they were the greatest. But anyway, I think for any of us, uh, you know, in our lifetime, that was the game of the century. And again, uh, yeah, it's just great to talk about it. Because I just remember it all so well, and uh, and everybody does, you know, it was that, that that iconic of an event, but by any standard, it really was. Oh yes, yes, and like I say, Texas ended up running that in '68 and having a very good season. I think that one loss, one tie, finished up that they beat Tennessee in the Cup Bowl, and then the next year they had the national championship beating Arkansas the last game of the year, and then beating Notre Dame, who Notre Dame had not played in a bowl since, I think, 1927. Right. And they played right. in the Cotton Bowl, a tight ball game. Uh, Joe Theismann, Tom Gatewood on Notre Dame's side, and yep. was James Street, Cotton Spire, and Bertelsen, Ted Coy, Worcester on the offense for Texas. And uh, but Alabama's next. wishbone, yeah, oh yeah. But Alabama's wishbone, you know, was unique in the fact that they ended up having those three national championships during that decade uh, and those 12 years. Whereas Texas, you know, Coach Ro- uh, Royal, he retired in 76. Um, Fairbanks moved on to the Patriots. Barry Switzer had a couple championships there. I think one was on probation, I think. But uh, yep. I think Alabama's wishbone was unique in that factor that they had the 100 victories. and Right, and, right, uh, no. Just... Just you know, three national championships. It's uh, I think it's I, I was trying to think of another era of football that could have a name to it, like the Wishbone Boys in Correct. twelve years. And Oklahoma had to run in the fifties, and Notre Dame, and of course way way back, Yale I think was pretty powerful. But modern football age, I think this Wishbone Boys bunch is is uh, something that people should take a look at. AP, it might be the greatest phrase to, you know, since the four horsemen, uh, literally just, you know, you know, one or two, <laughs> couple of words and instantly everybody knows what it means. So I think it's a great right. event. I certainly wish you the best of luck August 28th and, uh, and great to really get the background from you, uh, the creator or one of the creators and, uh, of this entire uh, concept. So I think it's awesome. Seven years coming to fruition, uh, literally six weeks from now. So that's very exciting for you, AP, and glad to get the, uh, the story behind the story, for sure. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, John. It's, it's uh, been a labor of love. A labor of love, yes. I can relate, which is what we do basically here every Monday for the last number of years. And uh, we're going to keep doing it for a while, including the next segment. So why don't we take our break? Still a lot lot of things to get to and uh, exciting time in the sports world. And we're going to get to some of that after this break. 
Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you ready for a shakeup in your online entertainment? Then listen for the Information Edge with Darren Yancey. It's time to take a fresh look at the politics of our economy and its impact on you. Darren and his guests will explain these rights, legislation, and observations in sectors that affect people around the world every day. Imagine a podcast that makes you stop and think. That's the Information Edge. Tune in every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Central, and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one 866 Four seven two five seven eight eight, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. And A.P., it was great talking about the Wishbone Boys uh, in the previous segment. And we love breaking news on the program, and I think uh, we just had breaking news on ESPN where former UCF coach Josh Heupel was just hired to replace Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee SEC. And uh, so, is that breaking news to you? I know you have uh, a well, lot of inside y- info. Yeah, yeah, John. Oh, yeah, yeah, John. No, that was kind of a while back, but what happened, they probably ran out an old. Um Oh, okay. Old byline there or something. Yeah. But he, but that's an interesting story up there because I don't know, Tennessee football, John, it's a mystery. They, they've been down for quite a while. I mean, it's, uh, I don't, I, I don't know if they're ever going to come back, John, to the levels that they had when, uh, T. Martin won the championship. And because 
Tennessee is not a popular state. I mean, you have Memphis, you have Nashville, you have Knoxville, but there's not enough people, not enough football players, Division One level, FBS level, to be a superior team. And they've been down with the quarterback situation. Oh, my gosh, it's been uh, a nightmare for them. And if you can't have a quarterback in this day and age, John, yep. it has to be in the very good category minimum. Minimum. That's a minimum. Very good category. You can't have Absolutely. the defense and, you know, a quarterback that is just uh, so-so or just adequate or has a good game, bad game. No, every game has to be at least good, and some has to be excellent if you're going to compete with the Alabamas, um, LSU, Georgia, Florida, those type of teams, Auburn, when they get when they get better in, in that SEC. So I, I, I'm not very confident or optimistic about Tennessee in the coming year. Josh Heupel is there. He was at, he was at Central Florida. You know, it was pretty good. He did pretty well there. But this is the SEC, considered the best conference, and better get out nationally and recruit players, or you're just every game it's going to be up in the air. You win some, lose some. Right. It's not going to be to the standard that they're seeking. Exactly, AP. And, uh yeah, well, it's, again, breaking news to me, although not to everybody. There's been so much going on, such a busy uh, – it's been nonstop in sports. I, uh, everybody knows what yes. I'm talking about yes. there. But, you know, Josh Hypo yes. is someone whose career I followed really closely because I spend a lot of time yes. down in Florida. I've been over to the UCF Stadium, although not on game day. I've been on the campus. Right. I get it with what they've done, of course, uh, Gus Malzone is their newest coach, replacing Josh Heupel, and uh, yeah. and you, you know he, he again just had a great run down there, and UCF has had a great run, and uh, I'm guessing that Gus Malzone probably has a quarterback because that's one of the reasons they've done so well down at UCF. But AP, it's so ironic because I was watching a Peyton Manning special special on ESPN uh, over the weekend. Kind of covered his career, uh, and it spent some time when he on him being the quarterback of Tennessee and the aftermath of where he would visit every June and talk to the coaches and the players, and where he literally stood and said, you know, they showed him standing outside, you know, uh, the famous stadium there and Nyland uh, sta- Stadium, Nyland. And basically saying, you know, this is the greatest place in the country to watch college football. But to go from watching that the other day to hearing you say that, you know, quarterback is the problem and you wonder if they'll ever get another one, uh, especially after, again, T. Martin won the national championship in the wake, if I'm not mistaken, after Peyton Manning left. And Peyton Manning certainly helped build the program. That's unmistakable. And, you know, they've... They're a famous football program, so it's almost sad, AP, to to think that you know how you know how long it's been since they've been good, and how it may not happen overnight. But again, I, I think I'd give Josh Heupel a, a, a decent chance. He knows what it's like to coach, you know, a good program. Much of it was inherited. I get that, but uh, should be interesting to watch, AP, uh, to say the least. Yeah, John, you know, Alabama would always play Tennessee the third Saturday in October. And for Coach Bryant, for many, many people, 
the thought process was, well, we don't know if we have a very good football team until we play Tennessee in October. Right. Because Alabama didn't play all, Alabama did not play Auburn for 40 years. So for Coach Bryant, Tennessee was the standard to measure your team. You know, that's all, that's all it was. So, oh, abs- uh, absolutely. Alabama, yes. Yeah. So for Tennessee, uh, every, I mean, they, Alabama's beaten them, I think. It's it's got to be thirteen or fourteen. It's because I don't I don't think uh, Nick Saban. I don't know if he lost to him, John. So it's got to be thirteen, fourteen years in a row this streak. Right. Well, that's again, it's not a rivalry if uh, both teams aren't winning. So whatever rivalry did exist is probably no longer there. And you know, Tennessee from Bobby Majors to Johnny Majors, or vice versa. It's just a fabulous program. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and I i mean, I think we all remember, you know, Florida didn't need to, you know, any pedigree to establish themselves. But I think we all remember that Peyton Manning, in my mind, if I remember correctly, never beat Florida. And that was like the one thing that sort of was on his resume. Uh, and if he beat him, he didn't beat him often, that's for sure. But my memory is, is that he never beat him. And that was always like one of the games of the year, you know, Peyton right, Manning right. versus <laughs> yeah. the Gators. Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah. Was it like the last week of September or third week or right. something like that? But he might he might have beat him once, but the other times he played very poorly. Correct, very poorly exactly. And the Gators were very good, yeah. uh, to say yes. the least. Oh yes, um, yeah. They embarrassed him. Yeah, embarrassed him <laughs> exactly. And AP, it's a perfect oh, yes. lead-in this discussion to SEC media days are happening this week, right? Yeah, SEC media does it here, John. I'll. I'll actually be there on Wednesday. Nick Saban will speak on Wednesday. And Auburn's new coach, Brian Harson from Boise State, will speak on Thursday. So I will be in uh, Hoover, Alabama for those events on Wednesday and Thursday. It starts today, but um, they're having some restrictions with the SEC, the media. They're trying to be as safe as they can. I'm not sure right. I quite understand it exactly, but they're being very cautious. Oh, everybody is AP golf tournament, you know, PGA yes. golf tournaments, yes. media credentials. Yes. It's all very complicated now. And uh, yes, yes, but a- yes, yes. Okay, and AP. That's I'm glad you said that because that's literally why I thought it was breaking news. It was from SEC Media Day, since as you mentioned, they start today, uh, and it was Gene Chizik being interviewed. So they, it's exactly right, AP. They pulled an old clip. Uh, not that old, <laughs> but you know, um, <laughs> you know, because so, he wanted, because he he wanted, he opened the discussion by talking about that very subject of Josh Heupel uh, coming to Tennessee to replace uh, Jeremy Pruitt. So it's really, uh, you know, SEC Media Days. AP, this this really kind of feels like the official kickoff to football. Nobody knows this better than you. Are they typically, my memory tells me that the SEC is usually the first conference to hold their media days. Here we are in mid-July and that everybody else is afterwards. So in a manner of speaking, in many ways, this is the actual kind of kickoff of college football where from now on it'll be nonstop media days. And then before you know it, they'll be kicking off for real at Labor Day weekend. Yeah, it feels like that, John, but a few conferences uh, started uh, last week, and 
And oh, so, okay. But it always feels like, yeah, it always feels like if, when the SEC starts, that's, that's real football. But that, that's exactly. kind of a biased opinion from, right. from this region. So, but, uh, no, it's, it's here. It's upon us, and it's not very long. I think there's some games the weekend of the August 27th is a Friday, August 20th, obviously the Saturday. There's a few games, I know, but most of the teams will play the following week. Well, let's hope they don't interfere with the Wishbone Boys, right? <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. No, I'm nothing sure they interfere won't. with that. <laughs> uh, nothing won't. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, as long as Alabama's not playing or USC that night, you're good. <laughs> right. Oh, yes. And yeah. I'm sure yeah, they're Alabama. Oh, no, they're not. Yeah, Alabama opens their season uh, September 4th in Atlanta versus the Miami Hurricanes. So um, Miami's going to find out right away what kind Correct. of football team they have in 2021. Yep. And, uh, and we have a lot of time to speak about that game. But uh, this is probably the last time, John, that Alabama probably played a neutral side game for many years. They're just kind of scheduled out to, I don't know, 34, 35, quite a, a few uh, home-and-homes with a spectacular schedule. I mean, all types of teams. I mean, it's hard to remember all of them. I know Wisconsin and Notre Dame and, Arizona and Oklahoma State and Boston College and Texas and uh, Oklahoma, um, West Virginia, uh, Georgia Tech, Florida State. I mean, the list is a pretty good one. Every single one of those you named are exactly the type of games, matchups, that true college football fans want to see, period. Um, Right, right. Yeah, I mean, they're just every one of them just kind of gets the uh, gets you excited, you know, no matter when it is, because uh, they're all, you know, everyone you listed has had their moments at the top of the college football, you know, pyramid, you know, and uh, so that'll be great. AP, why don't we just take our final break here? Uh, a few minutes left in the show, and we'll get to that on the other side. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England. Along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week. And each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio, live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Listen for Go to Health Radio, featuring host Jonathan Marks and health experts from around the world who bring evidence-based education from Western, alternative, and holistic practices. We bring together you, seeking relevant and proven information for your health care needs and reputable health care experts and companies who offer quality education for your benefit. Monthly, we also share continuing education for medical professionals. Listen live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Variety. 
stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby, and back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. And before we get started, my pick of the week for appointment viewing is tomorrow night's Phoenix Suns, Milwaukee Bucks, uh, Game 5, excuse me, Game 6 at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And it could be a championship night, AP, as the Bucks are in a position to clinch their first championship since 1971. And when they did, AP, uh, I happened to be there in Baltimore when they were playing the Baltimore Bullets back in the day oh. with Lou Alcindor and Oscar Robertson. So, Wow. Uh, that's, yeah. That's pretty cool, yeah. John. That's pretty cool. You saw Freddie Carter and Earl Monroe and Gus Johnson and Jack Marin and Wes Unsold. And who'd they have for, on the other side? They had Bobby Dandridge and Oscar, John McLaughlin. And who was the other starting forward? It was um, about 6'8". I remember him. Oh, yes. He, sh- he shot uh, kind of a set shot, uh, about 6'8". Oh, I forgot his name now, John. Escapes me. But, uh, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. I think Jack Sickman might have been on that team. But, no, he, no, he no, was... No, no, He was with yeah, the he was afterwards, Supersonics. Yeah. Um, yeah. Picking green uniforms. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, I forgot the other person's name, but it escapes me. But, yeah, Larry, what was the guy? Larry, what was his name? The coach, Larry Costello, was that it? Larry Costello, Exactly. Um, right. No, these are great memories. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just awesome stuff, to say the least. And uh, so, yeah, tomorrow night, AP, a championship could be won. It's always exciting, to say the least. Wow. And, uh, you know, it's been a good series years, so John. far, and we'll see what uh, what transpires tomorrow night. Wow, 50 years, John, right? Yes, absolutely. No doubt Milwaukee. about it. Um, and John, John, when you were watching that series, did you think Milwaukee could come back and take three straight? I mean, did you? No, or did you absolutely not. Or did you? Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely not. No, the the, you know, it often happens, but you know, nonetheless, it just felt yes. like uh, the Suns looked unbeatable, and a lot of people said this, and I had the same feeling. Like it's their year, mm-hmm. and that's just all there is to it. Um, right, right. It, does, does it remind you of the Portland Trailblazers? Two zip to Philadelphia, then four straight, I think. Yes. Exactly. Bill Walton kind of reminds me of that, yeah. maybe. No, that, that's a that, that's a very, very good uh, analogy, to say the least. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it just seemed unbelievable. Um, but, you know, just back to 1971, AP, which is why I've been watching the Bucks with interest is, uh, yeah, it was, uh, we were in high school and we just woke up three hours north of, but we were in Pennsylvania, three hours north of Baltimore. And we just said, let's do it. And we jumped in our car and drove down <laughs> to the Baltimore civic center and watched the 
watched right. the NBA. And, of course, the Bullets had Earl the Pearl Monroe, need I say more. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> you know? yes. Oh, yeah. We yes. went down there to watch him, period. We were that enthralled with him as yes. high school kids. We really were. Um, yes, so, yes. Yeah, so it was pretty funny. Um, good memories, but, you know, the Suns, it's like... This has been a very unpredictable series, so I, for one, am not giving up on the Suns, period. I'm just not. And, uh, right, right. You know, I just think that uh, anything is possible, as they say, as Kevin Garnett once said. And, uh, yeah. and yeah. I, it, it's, you know, it, this game is not a slam dunk win for the Bucks in my mind. We'll see. No, Chris Paul has no. to come up huge, H-U-G-E, capital letters, to give Devin mm-hmm, Booker mm-hmm. some help. And if yeah, anybody yeah. is capable oh, yeah. of doing that, in my mind, it would be Chris Paul, given the year he's had and the postseason he's had. Uh, he's been quiet. Drew Holiday's had a lot to do with that, on def- you know, covering him on defense. But, uh, again, you, you can't rule out Chris Paul. The career he's had and the mm-hmm. moment for him is, you know, tomorrow night, period. Right, right. Oh, yeah, for certain. Yeah, oh, that for they, sure. That, yeah, I think it'll be a, a, a difficult game, probably. Oh, yes. For either team to win. I thought for either team to win, I think. Because one's playing for their life, the other one's trying to win a championship, and they don't want to play that seventh game. They want to give everything they can for that sixth game to, to win for right. two. So it's going to be possession by a possession and, it, and then it just gets down to a few plays at the end that's exactly what happened saturday night you know the bucks want nothing to do with going back to phoenix so it's like their sense of desperation to win at home tomorrow night with a great crowd just like the great crowd in phoenix yeah it's going to be very yeah. high um yes oh yeah there's a lot yeah there's gonna be a lot of a lot of factors coming into play but to me, the big factor is uh, the, the Suns are, in my mind, capable of pulling this off. They've had the most inter- the most exciting year of any team in the NBA, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, they came from, you know, the last decade and a half haven't, hasn't been great for them, as we know. And here they are. Yes. And they lost at home, shockingly, game five, Saturday night. Uh, in what was just a s- tremendous game, and and ending like you said, comes down to a couple big plays at the end of the game. But uh, yeah. we shall see, and it's going to be fun, no doubt. Again, any game where a championship could be won is worth tuning into, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I think it's fun for the simple fact that you have a team that has not won it in 50 years, and then a team who has never won it. And Phoenix Correct. has been there twice, twice that I know of. And Milwaukee has been there um, in 71. And then I'm trying to think if they had, been, they had been there with the Celtics in 74. And then Phoenix was there in 76 with the, against the Celtics. So this Phoenix, I mean, right. Milwaukee, is this just the, were they ever in the finals? I don't, I don't know if they were in the finals once with Marcus Johnson. I'm not sure. I'm not sure the Sydney Moncrief team and all that, but we shall see AP and hard to believe we've come to the end of the show. Great talking with you. And I appreciate you calling in as always. Hey, John, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. 
Thank you, AP. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at noon Eastern time. Thanks again for tuning into All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.